today we celebrate the fact that Jesus is the conqueror of death and the overcomer of sin. You've heard of comeback stories before, right? If you've been a fan of the movie Rudy, The Mighty Ducks, every other sports movie in history, you understand the concept of a comeback, right? Well, this morning, Jesus is the king of the comebacks. In the book of John, in the New Testament, there's an account of, of one time that Jesus was late. Um, oftentimes, if I think about Jesus, I think of Jesus being a very prompt individual because he understands time. You know what I mean? Like he existed before it, so I figured he should get it, and I always assume that Jesus is very on time. But in the Gospel of John, the book of John in the New Testament, we read about a circumstance where Jesus is late. One day, Jesus, uh, he gets word from some very, very close friends of his. I think those, those certain type of friends that you would consider family. He gets news that uh, one of his dear friends was sick and about to die. And, and these two women, these two sisters, they sent a messenger to Jesus and they, and they instructed the messenger to tell Jesus that we need you to come. Please, please, please come to Bethany. Come and see Lazarus because he's sick. Lazarus is sick and he's almost going to die. And Jesus does something that I'm sure if this didn't happen, no one would have made this up because it does not make Jesus look great. Jesus says, no. Jesus says, we're not going to go yet. Jesus, instead, after hearing some very troubling news, as many of us would get up and we would cancel plans, we would, we would rearrange schedules to get to where we, we need to be in that moment. We would do whatever it takes. What Jesus does is he says, no, we're not going to go yet. And what he doesn't do is he doesn't just take an hour. He doesn't just take half a day to, to make sure that the disciples are in the right place so the ministry can keep going on. He doesn't make sure that he's got somebody to turn off his water or check his mail or, or walk his dog. He doesn't do that. What Jesus does is he stays for a few days. And he stays until Lazarus is dead. And then he says, all right, let's go. And so Jesus shows up and Lazarus is dead and buried like he is dead and buried. The Bible says that, that he has been dead for so long, four days, that he's in the tomb. He's wrapped. He stinks because dead things stink. The, the, new, the King James Version say he doth stinketh. That's my favorite. But Lazarus, is dead. he is gone. And Mary and Martha come out to meet Jesus at separate times. And they say something to Jesus that maybe you have said to him in your own way. And they say this, something like this. They say, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, they were saying, Jesus, you didn't show up when I needed you to. You were late. Jesus, you didn't answer our prayer. You didn't even acknowledge our messenger. Jesus, you're making this really difficult right now for us to believe that you are who we think you are. And what Jesus says next is extraordinary. Jesus' response. He doesn't say to them, Mary, Martha, listen, I want to explain to you what life after death is like. 
I want to paint you an I-can-only-imagine type portrait of the afterlife. I want you to understand that Lazarus is so much better where he is than where he had been. I want to paint you a picture of what life after death, death is like. He doesn't say, Mary and Martha, let me explain that there's a resurrection. Let me explain how the resurrection works. Let me tell you about some principles and some ideas and some things that you can pass on to your children and their children's children. And 2,000 years from now, they're going to still be talking about it. Jesus doesn't say any of that. He looks at each of these women, who he loves, his friends who are like family, and he says this, bigger than the miracle of actually bringing Lazarus back from the dead, which Jesus did, are the words that Jesus speaks in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asks the most important question anyone could ask. He says, do you believe this? I really like Christianity when it's principles, right? I really like it when it's ideas because I can, I can comprehend ideas. I can comprehend these, these thoughts even though they may be abstract, even though they may be uncomfortable to my natural self at times. I like Christianity when it's principles and ideas because I can ignore principles and ideas when I want to. And Jesus is saying this goes beyond that. Do you believe in me? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life. The amazing thing about Easter is that it's not a celebration of simply an event. It's the celebration of a person. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you to write down. I'm about to get excited, so I'm going to move this. I want you to write down, the resurrection is not an event. It's a person. The resurrection is not something that Jesus does does or did. It's who he is. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life that you and I so desperately need. Jesus is the only way to God because he is what came from God. On Good Friday, Jesus died for our sins. Friday is always, a Good Friday is always a weird day. Because for me, for whatever reason, subconsciously, just in my spirit, it's just a heavy day. Like it was, like we had, we did everything fun that day, like we, we, well, I went to the chiropractor, that was sort of fun. You went to the dentist, that was not fun, so maybe Good Friday was rough for you. But then we went to a pool and swam. We ate submarine sandwiches, which were delicious. We watched The Greatest Showman, which is a phenomenal movie, and if you haven't seen it, you are missing out on life. But there's something about Good Friday that no matter what happens during the day, there is just this weight because I have this understanding that today Jesus took a punishment that was mine. He went to a cross that belongs to me. He paid my tab, not simply for life, but for eternity. So on Good Friday, Jesus dies for our sins, for the sins of mankind. But on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus overcomes the consequence 
of our sin, which is death and separation from God, so that you and I could have the moment where we come face to face with our sin, face to face with the things that keep us from God, the same sin that put Jesus on the cross and in the tomb. We have the opportunity to come face to face and not simply come face to face with how, what wrong we've done and how horrible we are, but we get to come face to face with our sin and be confident and be assured and know that there is life on the other side because Jesus has risen from the dead. The resurrection changes everything about life. The resurrection changes everything about history because Jesus rose the conqueror. He is the life. He is the hope for the future that you desire, and he is the life waiting for you on the other side. Nothing is like Easter. This morning there are some of you here the Bible would refer to you, you are not, you're not in a relationship with God through Christ. The Bible refers that you are still dead in your sin. But because of what Jesus did, and not because we could ever earn or deserve it, our sins can be forgiven and you can be made brand new. See, the reason we, we often mention this in messages is because this is what we call the good news. This is, this is the gospel, the good news that God did something that you and I could never do for ourselves because he's just that good. The tomb is empty, he is risen, and the resurrection changes everything. Jesus says, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. And then he ends with the most important question, do you believe this. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, God, that your word and your presence would bring life into this place, would bring faith into the hearts of all of us who are here today. As we're praying today with, with heads bowed and eyes shut, I know that there are some of you that are hurting right now, that are struggling, and trials in your life that you're facing just seem insurmountable, just seem so big. And I want to take a moment, and if that's you, and you say, I really do need some prayer for these things I'm facing, would you pray for me? I feel super discouraged. You may have doubts. You may be wondering why God, what, why God hasn't done what you thought he should, and, and you're just saying, I need some prayer in this moment before we move on. Would you just raise your hand, and I, I want to pray for you. If you're saying, yeah, I need prayer. I've got doubts. I'm going through situations and circumstances that just seem insurmountable. Thank I see that hand. If you need prayer this morning, man, what a day like Easter Sunday to receive prayer. So if you need prayer for anything going on in your world right now, would you just raise your hand and I want to have the opportunity to pray with you. I see that hand. Thank you. Father, I, I thank you that you are so good. And God, you are so big that you know the intimate details of every situation, of every person with a need. And God, I pray that by your power you would intervene right now. Spiritually speaking, God, for those who are hurting and feel alone, God, I pray that you would be their ever-present help in time of trouble. God, that your very presence, even right now, your Holy Spirit would be their comforter and a peace that goes beyond all ability to understand. And God, I know that everything doesn't always happen the way that we want. 
But God, I thank you that you are a God who works all things to bring about good to those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. God, I pray that you would give us the strength to hang on during the hard times and the faith to believe that there is a hope and a future for us. God, would you build our faith today that you are ultimately good in every way. God, would you minister so precisely? Would you move so profoundly? And as we continue to pray today, I love the question that Jesus asked at the end of these verses. He said, I'm the resurrection. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And with heads bowed, I'll tell you, man, I I believed it for a long time in my head. Growing up, uh, when we would go to church on Christmas, I mean, I grew up in church, but man, Christmas and Easter were those moments, man, when I believed I believed I had head understanding about what Jesus did and the price that he paid. I had head understanding, but I didn't have a heart relationship. I understood intellectually, but I never personalized the reality of the resurrection that Jesus did for me and the price that it was and what it offers me. I always thought that I had to try hard and be good and hopefully was better than the other people in the line. But I didn't realize that the internal doubts that I had, the fear of not measuring up, the fear of being found out about how broken I was, that was the internal doubts that I had, the fear of not measuring. It was all because, man, I was dead in my sin. I was separate from God. I didn't realize that dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks in. I didn't realize that dead things have life breathed into them when the life walks in to the room. The same voice that ultimately called Lazarus out of the grave, I believe, calls to you out of your sin today. I believe that the voice of Jesus is saying to some, come out, there is forgiveness, there is grace, there is healing, there is hope. It doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter how big your doubts are, it doesn't matter how bad that you've been, how alone you feel, or how much you've messed up. When you come to Jesus, he loves you and he forgives you and he makes you brand new. He fills you with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And there are those of you here for this very moment. Jesus says, come forth, come out, give your life to me. There are those of you, you know it, you need him. You've been trying to live life on an intellectual Christianity, but you need for your intellect to travel 18 inches to your heart. You need a heart transformation. But today, I want to invite those not simply to know about him, but to know him. And, and, and trust me when I say this, when you know him, your life will never be the same. As you turn from your sin and turn towards Jesus, he will forgive you and he will make you new. He will help you and he will reach down into your darkness and he will be your light and he will be your resurrection life. For those of you here this morning who would say, that's me and I'm ready, I believe That's why I'm here. I may not understand all of it, but I believe it. I want to believe it in my heart. Today, I'm going to turn from me, and I'm going to ask for his grace to give me life, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus. If that's you in this place, and you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back, would you just do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Would you just raise your hand? 
Yeah, I see that hand. I see that one. I see that one. All across this place with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Would you just pray with those around you? Just pray, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and you are risen so that I could be forgiven, so that I could serve you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. I thank you for this new life. Today I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Motion City Church, can we clap our hands and can we rejoice for those people who made that decision today? Man, what a, oh, this is just what it's about, man, literally.